Good evening, it is 5 p.m. and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 11.9 FM. Broadcasting from Lower Carruthers Hall on Queen's campus in Kingston, Ontario. Today in YGK is brought to you by CFRC's News Collective. CFRC's news programming is made possible by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street, and the Screening Room at ScreeningRoomKingston.com. I'm CFRC's broadcast journalist, Christina Laurie, and here are your local news headlines. Kingstonians remember as today marks six years since the Islamophobic attack on a Quebec City mosque. On this day in 2017, six men were murdered and 19 others were injured at the Islamic Cultural Centre of Quebec City when a gunman entered the place of worship and opened fire. In 2021, the Government of Canada declared January 29th the National Day of Remembrance of the Quebec City Mosque Attack and the National Day of Action Against Islamophobia. Leading up to today, Canadians have participated in the Green Square campaign to show solidarity and raise awareness. And in Kingston, the Islamic Society of Kingston and Muslim Society's Global Perspectives, MSGP at Queen's University, have provided opportunities for the community to observe the National Day of Remembrance. To talk about how Kingston has been observing this day, I sat down with Dr. Mona Rahman, member of the Islamic Society of Kingston. The Green Square campaign is currently running, so I was wondering if you could talk a bit about the campaign and the significance of the Green Square. Okay, so um, the Green Square campaign was initiated, I'm pre- I, I think, pretty much the year after mm-hmm. um, this tragedy happened. And it was, um, so the significance of the Green Square is um, sort of reflective of the carpet um, that uh, was in the mosque that mm-hmm. the the that these uh, individuals were killed in. Um, and, you know, and this was such a horrendous uh, event that, you know, you, somebody coming into a place of worship, something that is considered to be a sanctuary by all, you know, all over the world, you know, mm-hmm. that if you go to a place of worship, um, it's, it's a, you, you declare sanctuary. We've had an individual in Kingston, I remember that was, uh, set to be deported, and she went to a church and asked for sanctuary, and it was given. So these are safe spaces in our in our collective society. Um, so for somebody to come in there with the intent to kill, uh, it just I think it really shattered um, shattered people's views of things, and you know, in like across the board across the nation. So we wear this green square, which is to remember the victims and show solidarity with their families. Um, it is reflective of the, you know, the color of the carpets where they were killed. But for us, you know, for people that are um, killed in this manner, we co- we consider them as the Arabic term is shaheed or martyrs. So we believe that they actually, their souls have been re- uh, raised up to heaven. And so in that way, the, the color green is also reflective of the gardens of heaven um, that we believe they are in right now. Um, it's also to show solidarity with families. I mean, these these men have left 17 children who have, you know, lived, who continue to live their lives without fathers um, and, and six widows. Um, what has happened, though, uh, within the last couple of years is that, sorry, is that um, the government of Canada has now declared January 29th as being the National Day of um, Remembrance of the Quebec City Mosque attack and action against Islamophobia. 
So in wearing the green square, we're also asking people to stand against Islamophobia in all of its forms. Um, so it's just it's just a way to, you know, honor the victims, remember the victims um, and their families, but also to, you know, collectively take a stand that this this is something that we need to work so that it doesn't happen again. And I know we say this, we say never again, so many times throughout our history after catastrophic events, but I think it needs to be repeated. Like you know, these types of these types of tragedies need to stop happening. And no matter who it's against, the community as a whole needs to stand up against bigotry in all of its forms. And Islamophobia is something that was not um, recognized as as such for so long. And unfortunately, it is because of these very tragic events and very significant events, like this mosque attack, like the attack on the Afzal family in London, that people are are finally defining it, finally recognizing it. And by doing that, we can now move forward to um, put forth strategies and education to fight against it. Absolutely. And you're hosting multiple opportunities for people to learn and remember in Kingston, um, as well as just compiling those events and sending those along so folks are aware. I was wondering if you could speak a bit about the event that already happened, your talk on what does Islamophobia look like today? I was wondering if you could share a bit for folks who may have missed that event. So um, this was this was an event that was hosted by the Muslim Society School of Perspectives at Queen's University mm-hmm. um, and hosted by Dr. Adnan Hussein, who is the director of co-director of MSGP. Um, he's also the director of religious studies at Queen's University and a historian um, by profession. Um, so this panel brought together both local people and international scholars. So we had um Dr. Ariel Salzman of of Queen's University. We had uh, Dana Alwan, who is a former uh, student um, at Queen's University, is currently in Syracuse, and uh, Dr. Hatham Bazian, who does a lot of research on um, on Islamophobia. He's got he's got a lot of qualitative quantitative data on Islamophobia in uh, I mean predominantly in the states, but uh, you know just a, across the board. Um, and it was really, uh, it was a very informative discussion, um, getting their opinions as to um, what Islamophobia um, has manifested itself as in communities like in the past, but also in the in in um, the current situation. And um, I would encourage people to go. It was live stream on on the MSGP Facebook event page, so you can go and watch that anytime um and it will be uploaded on their youtube channel um and it's it was just a very um comprehensive i mean like i said this is dr uh, bazian's research focus mm-hmm. so to get his perspective on things i mean albeit from an american perspective but islamophobia is islamophobia but just dealing with um many of the things that we see around the world that are, have manifested from maybe systemic Islamophobia um, as opposed to things that we can call it right away. So it was it was very interesting and very good to hear those perspectives. Mm, absolutely. Thanks for getting into that. And coming up on Monday, I was wondering mm-hmm. if you could speak about the event you're hosting uh, for folks to take time to 
remember and reflect on Monday evening. I believe it's the Islamic Society of Kingston running that one. Yeah. So we have hosted for the, this is the seventh anniversary mm-hmm. of the the killings. Um, so we have been generally trying to get people together to remember the victims. Uh, what way, what I found in um for a lot of these tragedies, it's allowed us to um, focus on the problem at hand. So on December 6th, when um, women were killed for being engineering students, it has come to to symbolize not just those individuals, but also a bigger problem that we have in the community. Um, but we shouldn't forget that on this day, these people were killed. So in that vein, Yes, it's um, this day has been declared as a day to for action against Islamophobia, but it was also a day in which six families lost members of their family due to a horrendous crime, and so we 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 remember the victims, we pray for the victims, we pray for their families. Um, and we have tried to get members of the interfaith community involved because this is not just something that affects the Muslim community. This affects us as a community in general. These are members of our of our community. They're, they're our friends, they're our neighbors. Um, even if you don't share the same faith, we share the same humanity. So, um, so we try to gather and reflect and share prayers of remembrance as well as um, for peace. Um, so that that will be happening on Monday from six to seven thirty, and we welcome anybody who would like to join us. It is it is a, an evening of reflection and sharing, um, and hopefully providing support um, to each other in these times, and um, you know, sort of renew that intention to uh, fight against Islamophobia and bigotry in all of its forms. So and after um, that evening, actually, uh, Kingston City Hall will be illuminated in green um, in honor of the victims, in honor of this day. And this is something that the city of Kingston has been doing um, on an annual basis to recognize the day and to honor the victims. And the whole point is when we remember and when we acknowledge, we make that pledge to ensure that it never happens again and that we do we put in the work and we put in efforts to tackle these um, Islamophobia and bigotry in general by education, by standing up for it. I mean, Mr. Rogers talks about how his mother said that when something bad happens, you look around for the helpers to remind ourselves as friends, neighbors and colleagues to be those helpers when we see an injustice happening. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. So folks can attend that on um, Monday evening if they'd like to. Yes. Perfect. Thank you. And then I believe on the 31st, there's also mm-hmm. um, an artist talk. I was wondering if you could speak a bit about that. And if you know anything about their piece, that would be awesome. So this is also a an event that's been hosted by MSGP. Mm-hmm. So the artist Akil Virant was, um, I believe he was commissioned to create this portrait series honoring the victims a few years ago. So it is a um, he is coming to Queens in Watson Hall, uh, room five one seven, and it's just a it's just an um, opportunity to um, 
I guess, to meet him, to ask him questions. Um, it's called Je me souviens, an evening with the artist Achille Virant. And I, I'm very intrigued because um, I'm sure for any artist who is doing something of this magnitude of such significance, I'm sure there's a lot of, there's a process and um, like, you know, how what what they decide to put in and how they they got to know these individuals that are so important to their families, so important to their community in order to um, authentically express that spirit that has now left this world into something that, uh, you know, generations to come can remember and realize how important they were to those around them. As Mona stated, from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. this evening, the Islamic Society of Kingston will be hosting Prayers for Peace and Remembrance at the Islamic Center of Kingston, 1477 Sydenham Road. Afterwards, they hope to go as a group to view the illumination of City Hall in green to commemorate the 7th anniversary and remember victims of this event and other violent acts of Islamophobia. At their last meeting, Council was presented with the opportunity to determine whether they would increase the reduction target for corporate greenhouse gas emissions. The choice before Council was to make the jump from 30% by 2030 to 40 to 50% by 2030, or delay the decision until 2025. The option to push the decision to 2025 was proposed to give staff an opportunity to gather more information and evaluate the feasibility of the goal, as many studies are underway to determine the best courses of action. I, I think I, I certainly speak for myself when I look at, you know, not being able to breathe the air in June and July and being terrified at what the, what, how our climate is changing and not being able to take my kids to bargaining at all in December. Uh, it isn't, I think, lost on any of us that we're in a climate emergency and Kingston has to be a leader. But we need to know what we're getting into. I hate it when other levels of government say we're going to meet these targets and they have no plan to get there. Um, we need to know how we're going to get there, and that's what we're endorsing tonight. The steps, the costs, it's transparent with the community of what we're going to do to achieve our carbon targets. I want Kingston to achieve this, and I can certainly speak for myself. I've been an advocate across all sectors. We're 2% of all emissions in Kingston. The other 98% of, pe of people, our industrial sector, people who own the houses, have to get on board as well. So I, I appreciate everybody who's come out tonight. Take this message home, talk to your MP, talk to your MPPs, talk to your neighbors and get them on board. Change your patterns of driving, of consuming, and get everybody on board. We're one slice of the pie. We all are in this together. And I know that a goal of 50% by 2030 would hold the city accountable as a corporation, but it wouldn't hold anyone else. So while it would be symbolic and important, and I would love to get there, I think we need to still look at that other 98%. And it's really important too that waiting for these studies, and to be clear, we all want them yesterday, but here we are, it's okay, they're coming. But so waiting for these studies though isn't going to deter from what city staff are already working on. They're not going to stop, they're not going to slow down. Many delegations stood before council to urge them to increase the target, offering various suggestions for ways to progress towards a more ambitious target and presenting the 50 by 2023 petition with 770 signatures so far. No one group or organization can fix it all, but we all have to do our part. Realistically, to avoid catastrophic outcomes, that means 50 by 2030. We cannot talk only about feasibility and costs associated with de 
increasing greenhouse gas emissions goals and targets, but we also have to talk about the cost of not doing enough. The International Panel on Climate Change calls for a 50% reduction of greenhouse gas emissions by 2030 in developed countries. This is what we need to achieve. We recognize that the city of Kingston has done a lot, and we need to build on that. We recognize that provincial policies act as a barrier to local initiatives, and we urge you to continue to pressure the provincial government, and we wish to contribute to these efforts. So let us know how we can work with you. Oh, people say, we're only a small entity in this. What do we matter? I would say we matter plenty, not only because any action taken by local jurisdictions like ours will help to combat this crisis, but because we'll set an example for citizens and other municipalities to do likewise. It's cumulative. Just think of it. One city or town after another, then one province after another, then one country after another. That's how we'll get there, with meaningful action. And one such action Kings can take is to increase its emissions reduction goal from 30% by the year 2030, based on 2018 levels, to 50%. We are confident we can do it. I fundamentally believe it is each generation's job to leave the earth and our communities better than we found it. And this motion to increase the corporate emission target to 50% reduction by 2030 is a key way I believe we can do this. This is the next step of Kingston maintaining its progressive climate action standing and continuing to attract members of my generation and future generations that our city, our councillors and mayor are actively working towards protecting a livable future. At the end of discussions, councillors chose to go forward with the delay, awaiting the results of staff's investigations into the topic to make more informed decisions. Basically, it's safe to say that getting these reports is really going to allow us to target locally where we're going to get the biggest bang for our buck because we've got a certain amount of resources that we're going to be able to put forward to this. So rather than right now saying, yep, we're just going to go for it without um, any clue on how we're getting there, we could be wasting resources. And so, you know, it, it, and I'm paraphrasing, and certainly you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what this says to me that if we, for example, committed a million dollars today to do this, we wouldn't necessarily know where's the best place to spend it. And we may waste some of that getting a small reduction. Whereas if we wait and we get the information we need, we can make a big step forward. And yes, I hear the chuckles, I hear all the rest of it, but any time that you advance something without knowing how you're gonna get there, you set yourself up to fail. I don't wanna see us fail as a community. This is not that big a time to wait. And in the meantime, we've heard we have a number of projects underway. During the meeting, councillors also asked that staff share their current projects, stressing how the city is still pushing forward in reducing emissions, despite delaying the formal establishment of a new goal.
When we go through this recommendation, um, I think I think it's something, as Councillor Glenn said, it's something that we can uh, we can achieve, and, and and it gives us a direction, gives us uh, a, a true measure of what we can do, and I think that's the responsible thing to do. So I want to thank staff for that and for the incredible work that we are doing. We can celebrate that. I I don't think we can need to hang our head low and say we have failed. We are we are we are accomplishing everything that we can do as a corporation, and with incredible work that you're doing. So I, I don't just want to say that, I, I, I really mean it. And uh, I think that this is something we can support and moving forward and, and seeing how we can achieve the absolute best that we can. That's all for your headlines this evening. Next up, I'm passing it to Zayden Vergara with your CFRC Sports Desk. Good evening, everyone. My name is Zayden Vergara and stay tuned tonight at 5.30 for your CFRC Sports Rundown. Today we'll be taking a look at your Queen's Golden Gales action starting with the women's volleyball team and they had a big 3-1 victory over McMaster. Moving right over to basketball we'll be talking about the men's basketball team's ability to extend their win streak with a win over the Windsor Lancers and gearing up towards their next game against the Golden Hawks for the next weekend. We'll also be taking a look at the men's and women's hockey team discussing the win over the Ontario Tech Ridgebacks and a few different win conditions on how these Gales can make their way into the playoffs. And then with the men's hockey team discussing their 3-0 win over Concordia, the mentality shift that that means for the team and, and what the, the different changes could mean as we gear up and as they get hot for the playoff period. Sticking with the theme of hockey and especially in the local scene, we're going to be looking at the Kingston Frontenacs. They had a few big wins over the weekend and want to break it down from their goal horn and the student game. We'll also be looking at the NHL. The Edmonton Oilers are on an absolute hot streak currently with a 16 game win streak unlike the NHL has seen in a number of years. So we're going to go and check in on that as well as your Ontario teams in the form of the Ottawa Senators and Toronto Maple Leafs. And if we have time we might be able to be able to sneak a little bit of the Montreal Canadiens in there but we'll see how that goes. You don't want to miss out. Stay tuned at 5.30 for the Sports Rundown. I've been Zayden Vergara, and I'll see you there. Now over to Erica Singh with your campus news update. Hello, my name is Erica Singh, and welcome to Campus Corner. Today, I'm joined by Rhee and Bailey, who are here from the Union Gallery. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi, we're doing really well. Hi, great. Thank you for having us. Do you guys just mind introducing yourselves and telling us a little bit about the Union Gallery? Yeah, so uh, my name's Bailey Lang. I'm a master's student here at Queen's in Cultural Studies. And my name is Ree Parsons. I am also a master's student uh, here at Queen's in Cultural Studies. And uh, Union Gallery is a student-centered, non-for-profit space on the campus in Stauffer Library on the first floor. And uh, this year, we're actually entering our 30th year in operation. So we opened in 1994, which is really exciting. Uh, so we are a contemporary public art gallery, and we kind of act as like this meeting place for artists from like different points in their career and different styles and different mediums, different ages and different communities to all kind of come together and have this space together where they can experiment and exhibit and play. Yeah, and the fundraiser is 
Union Gallery's annual fundraiser, and it's the main annual event that helps generate revenue for Union Gallery to keep its programming free for everyone. So the event was previously called Cezanne's Closet, and this year we've uh, done a new name to rename it Side by Side. Uh, the event is open now and includes an exhibition and an event which takes place on February 10th. Uh, people are welcome to come and visit the exhibition in person now until the date of the event and purchase tickets for either $100 or $200. So this includes a lottery-style draw over Zoom where ticket holders' names are pulled one by one and they are invited to choose which piece they would like to bring home with them after the event. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, so when is the event and how can people buy tickets? So the online event is going to be held on February 10th. Uh, the exhibition is open now, so people are welcome to come in and visit and purchase tickets up until the, um, the date of the event. Uh, tickets can be purchased through Union's website, or if anyone needs any help, you're welcome to visit the gallery space as well. There's always someone there to help out. Um, Union's website is uh, uniongallery.queensu.ca, and if you visit there, you can also find a lot of other exciting ways to help support the gallery. We're also doing a postcard sale right now with um, some of the prints that are in the show that Rhea and I were really excited to put together and have been such a awesome thing to see it all come together. Big Daddy! Big Daddy! Come see Big Daddy! <laughs> Big Daddy's an awesome piece and also one of the postcards for sale. Uh, there's also some totes and the pins are available to pre-order as well. But the tickets can be purchased through the website for $100 or $200. And also, if you head to the website, the um, the online catalog's there as well. So if you can't have an opportunity to come in and see everything in person, the catalog's a great way to check everything out. Thank you so much, Rhee and Bailey, for joining me today to listen to the full interview. Please check out the Today in YGK podcast on Spotify and Apple Music. That's all for me today. Now over to the weather. And now for your CFRC weather report. Today will be cloudy with a 30% chance of flurries early in this afternoon, and then a mix of sun and cloud afterwards with a high of positive one and a UV index of one. Moving into this evening, it will be partly cloudy with wind up to 15 kilometers an hour and a low of negative four with a wind chill of negative nine overnight. And then tomorrow, January 30th, it will be cloudy with winds of 20 kilometers per hour in the morning and a high of positive one with a wind chill of negative nine in the morning as well and a UV index of one. And now for your CFRC traffic report. Please note that winter parking ban is still in effect as of January 1st, 2024. Motorists are advised that overnight on-street parking is not permitted during the months of January and February. Public Service and Procurement Canada wishes to advise motorists of an alternating lane closure on the South Causeway for major rehabilitation during the November 1st to April 30th period. During this time, one lane will be closed and one lane will remain open for alternating traffic. Motorists should expect short delays. Access will be maintained for pedestrians and cyclists. The PSPC encourages users to exercise caution while traveling on the bridge and thanks them for their patience. As for road closures this week, Market Street from King to Ontario will be closed January 30th from 7am to 6pm for the installation of Horizon at Springer Market Square. Additionally, University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed until May 29th for the removal of debris from demolition and concrete deliveries at the Queen's John Dutch University Centre project. 
Parking disruptions include the Chow Memorial Parking Structure Restoration Project, which is now in its final phase. The work is winding down, is close to completion, and expected to conclude in late February. The work is completed in phases to allow the building to remain open to public parking for the duration of the project. As such, phase work areas will occupy a maximum of 10% of the available parking stalls at a time. Up to 45 spaces will be out of commission. There is also parking availability at the Hanson Memorial and Robert Bruce Memorial parking garages in the two adjacent blocks to the east. Upcoming parking lot closures include the Drury parking lot located at 57 Queen Street, which will be permanently closed on February 4th of 2024. This closure is to accommodate the expansion of the ongoing construction project at 18 Queen Street and 282 Ontario Street, known as Block 5. This lot will serve as a construction staging and parking for the project. The city has a range of parking options available to short-term parkers throughout Kingston. Community members can access alternate parking options by visiting cityofkingston.ca slash parking. Recommended locations within a couple blocks include the Frontenac, Ontario Brock, Barack, and Angrove lots as well as the Hanson Garage. Other delays include Queen Street from Montreal to Sydenham, which expect an eastbound lane closure until April 1st of 2024. Detours will be in place for the duration of the lane closure. Thank you for tuning in to CFRC's local news programming. To revisit episodes of Today in YGK and hear more from some of our guests, you can head to our podcast network at podcast.cfrc.ca. Today in YGK is brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada under the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street, and The Screening Room at screeningroomkingston.com. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next. What'll I Wear offers the best in vintage, funky, one-of-a-kind treasures, clothing, accessories, and a fabulous selection of jewels, vintage and new. Find the cutest purse, the most dashing of hats and sunglasses, everything to complete your individual look. What'll I Wear has it all. They can dress you from top to bottom. Find your new fashion fave at What'll I Wear at 732 Princess Street in Kingston. Visit their new location and follow them on Facebook to keep up to date with what's in store at What'll I Wear.